Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a saner, songwriter, podcaster, relationship coach, and rehabilitation counselor. I'm also a Christian who for years grew up in a church that taught me to fear God instead of love God. For years, I felt betrayed by God and felt like God didn't love me because I wasn't perfect and because I didn't do the right thing all of the time. For years, I felt like I was destined to go to hell because there was no way I could keep all of God's laws and there was no way I could win God's approval. It wasn't until I began to read and study the Bible on my own that I realized that, yes, there is nothing I could ever do to be perfect. I will never be able to win God's approval. But the great thing about it is that I didn't have to because God loves me the way I am and God is here to help me through any and everything that I go through. It wasn't until I realized that God was there for me and that what I had been taught about God my whole life was a lie that I began to understand who God really was. It wasn't until I began to lose my religion and focus on God that I understood who God was and his amazing love for me and how much he loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different journey and a different path to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I'm your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week we have an amazing guest. His name is Josh Evans. He's been married to 22 years to his high school sweetheart. Together they have two incredible teenagers and two big dogs. He is the assistant pastor of Borderline Mission in Nashville, Tennessee, as well as the host of the I'm F'd Up podcast. He has a heart for helping people finding healing for trauma, abuse, or any other unresolved pain. He loves God, and he's constantly figuring out what that means and looks like for him. Guys, he has an amazing story to tell. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Josh Evans. Hello, Josh. How are you doing? I'm excellent. How are you? I am doing amazing. I just want to thank you so much for being on the Finding God podcast. I'm super yeah. excited to talk to you. And Happy I to just be here. Can't, you're welcome. I know I first heard about you when I was in our podcast group, Podcast Nation, and mm-hmm. it was like, be a guest, find a guest. And then you were also on the same thread that I was on. I happened to read mm-hmm. about your podcast and what you're doing. And so I was like, yes, I think I would like to have him as a guest on the show. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm stoked to be here. All right. Well, I have some questions I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to start off with my question I ask everyone. Just tell me a little bit about your childhood and what that was like for you. Okay. Um, I grew up in a small town in uh, Missouri in the southwest corner of Missouri called Neosho, Missouri, uh, named after some Native American tribe. And uh, I is a small town, like 10,000 people. Uh, My grandpa was the pastor of the first church that I went to. And so I grew up in the church. And then uh, when we when I was like seven or eight, my parents 
moved us to a different church um, because his was a far drive or something. I don't remember the reasons anyway. So uh, I grew up very religious, um, very strict. Uh, well, strict by some standards, not strict by other standards, but um, there was, you know, there was uh, a fairly normal, strict Christian environment. Um, no alcohol, no swearing, um, no smoking. Um, none of that was happening in my house. Um, and uh, so it was, you know, it was just, it was just fairly normal Midwestern Christian experience that I grew up in. And uh, my parents were both, are both loving people. Um, and uh, they have their own baggage like everybody does. And they did the best they could. And uh, they still got stuck with this. So. <laughs> But uh, I have I have I have a couple siblings that are younger than me. I'm the oldest of three, and uh, we uh, we moved a lot. We moved to within the same town. We moved to a lot of different houses um, for whatever reason. And uh, so I remember I remember moving a lot. I don't have any memories of like a stationary house, you know, until I was like in my teens and we kind of settled down a little bit. But uh, yeah, I. I don't know. I mean, that's, that was pretty much the childhood, I guess, in church three times a week and school the rest. So, No, I totally understand. That seems to be the childhood a lot of us have had. Yeah, yeah. So what was that one thing that you thought about God when you were younger? It could be good. It could be bad. But yeah. what is the thing you thought about God when you were younger? Uh, I was scared of God. Like, I was really scared of the idea of a rapture. Um, I was really, really scared that I was going to do something that was going to send me to hell. And I was really scared that, um, I was never going to be good enough to really be accepted by God. I wasn't really able to put that into like cohesive words and thought at that time. But looking back, that was what all of those fears sort of amounted to was, um, I just, I was afraid of God and I was afraid I'd never be good enough for him. So no, I get that because that is the fear I had also when I was younger and even all the way up into almost adult years because that's pretty much what I was taught as a kid. Like you do mm -hmm. this, you know, good things will happen if you obey. If not, bad things will happen to you. And it was just something yeah. that was always like you're afraid because if I don't do this, bad things are going to happen. I mean, if I don't do this, good things will happen to me, bad things will. But if I do yeah. this, you know, it's just like always yeah, yeah. like you could yeah. never be very transactional enough. understanding of who yes. God was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as you got older, what did you think about God and did that change? So as I got older, I, I started preaching. Um, I, I started preaching when I was 13 years old. Um, and, uh, I really dove into um, trying to know God more. I still had all of those same fears and doubts and uh, like never thought I was really going to be good enough for God. But I thought maybe if I could lead other people to God and, you know, be a good preacher and like, like that, maybe I could finally get God to accept me. So I really dove into that. Um, but like, like most teenagers, my life was, you know, trying to please my friends, like trying to be the person I thought I was supposed to be at school, you know? And so I was, you know, quote unquote, talking dirty and cuss words and all that, you know, as a teenager, and then just riddled with constant guilt over all of that. And, uh, and just feeling like I was living this double life and could never, 
could never reconcile the fact that I really did love God, or at least the idea of God, and wanted to make that a deep, meaningful part of my life. I could never reconcile that with who I actually was when I got outside the church, you know, and it wasn't anything crazy. Like I wasn't doing anything wild. It was just typical teenage boy stuff, you know, and uh, it just, I really allowed it to have a lot of control over my relationship with God. No, it's funny you say that. I'm happy you said that because for the longest, my kids have teased me about my quote unquote rebellious stage because my rebellious stage consisted of me pretty much listening to music that wasn't church music because in my house, <laughs> you know, we had yeah, to yeah. church music all the time. Same, so I would yeah. sneak out and I would get like Boys and Men or Stevie Wonder, <laughs> listen right. to my walkmate quietly. And my kids are like, how was that rebellious? I'm like, because <laughs> I'm like, what's supposed to do it? And they just look at me. So they told me my rebellious stage was terrible. And even when I got older, I think the only other thing I did, maybe two things, but it wasn't until I was like in my twenties because my mom had a rule where as long as you're under my roof, you have to do what I say. So she had this yeah. rule about not doing going to parties and clubs. So uh-huh. I went to a couple of them, but then it just wasn't fun. But you know, that was the extent of my rebellious stage. And so it's yeah. nice to hear you say. That, you know, your rebellious days was it too wild. You know, you just no. do regular stuff. Yeah. I feel comforted by that. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> <Nobody else. laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I had, as I got much older in my teen years, I had, you know, I was doing some parties and stuff, but nothing, nothing real crazy ever. <laughs> like it was, I, I mean, I had a, I had a reputation at school of being like a good kid. And I remember uh, the, night before graduation a buddy of mine my best friend at the time and i um we decided that we have we have messed up our reputation at school everybody thinks we're too good and uh like tomorrow we're gonna get some weed and we're gonna we're gonna smoke weed and we're gonna go to graduation high so we went to school the next day bound and determined to find weed but we had no idea what to do with it we'd found it and uh the majority of the consensus of people that we were trying to talk to thought that we were on some kind of sting operation for the school and wouldn't, wouldn't hook us up. So uh, it was a, it was a swing and a miss there. So I, I think my childhood was probably pretty similar. I had a pretty rebellious phase where I started listening to uh, Christian heavy music and Christian rap music. And my parents were not happy about that. So no, my mom wasn't happy about that either because she would always say, How is this Christian music? I'm like, Because yeah. you just don't listen to work. Yeah. And she had like a fit when I wanted to listen to BB and CC Wine because she's like, Where is God in there? I'm like, It's implied, mom. It's implied. So, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. So, as you got older, like, what was the thing that helped you realize that? it was important to have a relationship with God. And when did you decide that all of these religious do's and don'ts didn't exactly work out well yeah. for you? Yeah, well, I definitely knew very young that I wanted God to be a really important part of my life. And I thought that that was important. Um, I never completely, I never, I've, I've never let go of that feeling um, that there's a lot of importance and value in knowing God, or at least seeking to know God. Um, So, but I think, um, so the church that I, my parents left, I grew up in, they ended up making me the youth pastor when I was like 18 years old, uh, because I was the one that was willing to go out and drive the church van and pick up the kids and teach them a lesson on Sundays. Um, so I was the quote unquote youth pastor for a small country church. And, uh, 
I, so I was just kind of going through the motions. I was still like, I mean, I was an adult. I got married when I was 18 and uh, still married to the same person today, 22 years later. Um, But uh, I, I was still felt like I was living a double life because I would have a drink occasionally. Um, I'd, I'd get a little drunk occasionally and I just, I just knew every, as soon as the alcohol touched my lips or as soon as I smoked a cigar, which I've been doing since I was 16. Um, I just, I just knew that like, Oh, I just, I just screwed it up with God. Like now I have to go and repent. And if anybody finds out about it, all that repentance is out the window because they're not going to believe that I'm really sorry for it. And, And am I really sorry for it? So, um, I just, I was just living that like two life thing. And, um, I kind of straightened myself out. I went to actually a, uh, I think it was 2001. So I would have been like 19 or 20 or 21. I went to a uh, TD Jakes convention and I was a big fan of him at the time. And uh, there were some things said in that convention uh, by him and some others that kind of like sparked something happening inside of my brain. And I I can't tell you what it was at this moment, but it started this like, uh oh snowball effect and it was another year later i read a book uh about this man who in the 70s i think his name was arthur blessed or bless it or something yeah Yeah, he carried a cross like like a full-size cross like all across the country carried it across ireland um south america romania but i remember i was reading the book and i i'd completely stopped drinking and and all my stuff and uh just because i felt guilty and uh i was trying to not use curse words just trying to be a good christian kid and fit the mold and uh or i was an adult i was married but uh anyway so i there's this moment in the book where he talks about being in romania and he's carrying the cross and they're they're very excited about it the people are and they actually throw a parade in his honor and they're basically like having a parade around him while he's just doing his thing of carrying this cross to the town. So he's carrying this cross to the town and people are coming up and like putting cigarettes in his pocket and like packs of cigarettes, like hanging them on the cross, like in bags and putting six packs of beer, like over the cross. And it wasn't in like, Oh, I'm giving this up. It was just like giving him gifts for this cool thing that he was doing. And I put the book down and cause there he's, he doesn't give any kind of condemnation over that thing or anything. And that was a thing for me. Like I was, I felt so guilty for drinking because it was always a big thing that my parents had made in my life. And, uh, cause they were afraid of it, which I get. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so he doesn't condemn it or anything. He just talks about how beautiful it was. They were bringing these gifts to the cross and all this. Yeah. And I just put the book down and I was like, yep, done with this not reading this anymore. I cannot believe that he's, uh, he allowed people to do this. Like, and instantly I just felt this thing deep inside of me that I want to say was God speaking to me, not audibly, just very deep inside me. And it felt like God was saying, who the heck are you to judge this thing that you can't even begin to understand when meanwhile, you've been living two lives for as long as you know, and not being honest about who you are and what you do and what you enjoy. And like, you're just living in this like weird reality. And 
I, I mean, I, I dealt with that for a week before I could pick that book up and finish it. And it was an incredible book. And uh, so I think that was like, it was the TD Jakes convention. It was that book. And then there was a few other things, but those are the first two like snowball effect things that I remember to start making me think, you know, like not only am I judging other people for this thing that I've been a part of, but I'm also judging myself so harshly that I'm not allowing God to have real connection with me because, Oh, I like to have a drink now and then, or, Oh, I like to have a cigar. Like I had, I was separating myself from God because I thought that wasn't okay. Instead of a lot, just being honest about who I was and making sure that if anybody saw problems that like my wife's always been allowed to call stuff out. I've never had any kind of alcohol, alcoholism issue. Like I've always been able to put it away. I'll have a drink now and then I'll put it away. You know, it's not a big deal for me. Um, but she knows that if it ever becomes a problem, she's got full authority to step in and be like, yo, but it's just not been for me now. Cheeseburgers. That's another thing. <laughs> like I never felt guilty about that. And that's the real problem that I do. have. So, so it just, it, it just, I just found freedom in, in believing that God would love me regardless of all of this stuff that I was putting weight on that he wasn't putting weight on. And uh, I was just putting too much weight on it. So that that's kind of that moment for me as to where I realized something needed to change. So have you said that because I was, Thank you. Sometimes, well, I have a lot of quiet time. My kids are in school. Sometimes I have to wait in car line. So, you know, that's quiet time, time to think. Yeah. And I try to spend that time, like, thinking about things, what I want to do the next day. Or, you know, sometimes that's the time God also talks to me, become reading books and stuff, because that is the only quiet time that I have. So the other day I was just thinking, because, you know, it's like, I think as Christians, or we sometimes we just have like a cookie cutter mold for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, this is wrong all across the board for everybody, or this is wrong for everyone. And you don't look at it where, okay, because all of us are different. We're different people, different yeah. individuals. So alcohol for me is not something I would do because I know I have alcoholics on both sides of my family. Right. But that doesn't mean that if someone else is doing it, that they're going straight to hell and that sure. what they're doing is taking them out of God's will. Because I think it's right. like a person to person kind of thing. I think that each one of us have our own struggles and we have our own things. And when it comes to us, yeah, we should stay away from certain things that are going to pull us away from God. But I can't sit here and tell somebody else, oh, well, you shouldn't do this because or right. whatever. Because I just think that God knows our heart. And I'm glad you brought it out because so many times we just put everyone in one big mold. We don't take yep. into consideration people and backgrounds yeah. and what no. we do and what might be good for somebody might be bad for someone else even the right. best thing like a whole bunch of money for one yep. person could be life-changing absolutely yeah you know like all those people yeah. get the lottery then for somebody else it could be like yeah the, the it could be destruction for them yeah so absolutely i'm glad you said that because just lets you know that it's not cookie cutter god no. wants each one of us in our own way and what right. might take me to hell might not be such a yeah. big deal for somebody else and we can't right. sit here and judge everyone across the board because yeah. we should work in ourselves and work with our own issues. But I'm glad you brought that up because that is so true. And I was thinking about how many people we turn away or condemn all this time. Yeah, yeah. And it's just ridiculous because that might be our issue, but it doesn't mean that it's somebody else's issue. So thank you yeah. for bringing that. No, yeah, that, that that happened to me another time when I was like years later, I, I had shifted my views on a lot of things and realized I was being too judgmental in a lot of ways. And I was I planted a church in Joplin, Missouri, which is where I'm like is near Neosho where I was born. I live in Nashville now, but uh, 
I, uh, I planted a church in Joplin. It was there for Joplin, Missouri. It was there for about eight or nine years, nine years. And uh, we also would host uh, concerts every weekend, um, sometimes two or three times a week. And they were always like hardcore metal, yeah. uh, punk rock type shows, um, not Christian. Some some Christian bands occasionally, but we weren't strictly doing that. Like we were just trying to really reach into that community because it was a community that we understood and were a part of. And uh I had become really good friends with this guy in this band and um, he, he was a major pothead and I was adamantly against pot at that moment in my life. And I remember driving to church one morning and his, he popped in my mind and I was like, man, God be with him and just, you know, free him from this, this situation with weed and, and how he's just getting high all the time and like letting him like really live life and all this stuff. And meanwhile, this guy is a, you know, he's, he's a Satanist and he's, he's got some real problems in his life, even like way beyond being a Satanist or smoking weed. He's got some real issues in his life. And instantly, as soon as I prayed that prayer, I felt that same voice deep inside me be like, why are you focused on this stuff that doesn't matter? This guy has real problems in his life and you're praying to me about this thing. Wow. Like, this is the one that you're focused on. And, and that's, that's the problem with being judgmental and having, like, trying to fit everybody into our cookie cutter molds is we miss the real issue that's happening in people's yeah. lives because we're so focused on this external thing that we have judgment against. Wow, that is so true. Because, like you said, I think sometimes people, the things people do is just, like, reacting or a symptom of what's mm-hmm. really going on deeper inside. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. if we don't, focus on what's really happening and that comes by getting to know the person accepting people you know no expectations Mm -hmm. but it's just so hard sometimes especially like you said we grew up in church or in a church environment yeah that's what we were taught I mean there have been times when I have found myself sitting up there like just judging people and I'm just like wait who made you God who said Mm -hmm. that this person you know right and for me that's like one of my things because I just think sometimes when you are a kid and you grow up in a church, no matter how much you may say it does not affect us, it can affect you for good uh, and bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the good thing is we know we have issues or problems we can go to God. Mm-hmm. Bad thing about it is we try to do things to make ourselves go to heaven. We judge people. Yeah. And it's like it takes a lot of prayer to try to get help yeah. with that from God because that has been ingrained in us ever since we were, like, young <laughs> Right. Like yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Well, and we get and we get so focused on trying to save people from hell that we don't even realize the actual hell that they're living in right now. And yes. we're not willing to step in the middle of that and be like, hey, how can I be here for you? How can I be a real help for you instead of just praying behind closed doors like you're in some hell right now. What can I do to be there with you and walk through this with you and hold your hand and lift you up and help you get out of this like. That's the thing that the, the, the church is missing because they're so worried about this afterlife situation that we cannot begin to really claim that we understand. Like it's, it's so beyond our understanding, but we're so focused on it and so fearful of it or so looking forward to either side of it that we're missing what's actually happening around us and the people that are living in hell right now that we have the ability and the capacity to actually help reach down and help them come out of something. But we're so focused on, oh, well, did they do this thing? Did they do this thing? Because I don't want them to go to hell someday. Like that's, it's, it's so backwards from who Jesus was. Like it's, yeah. You're right. No, you're right. Especially everything that's going on in the world now. I know I'm in different Facebook groups 
And some of them I just had to get out of because they're talking about, well, God is coming soon. And I'm like, well, he was mm-hmm. always coming. Who said he wasn't? Sure. But the point is, it's like, I just think, like you said, we are so focused on God is coming soon and hurry yeah. up and get ready. So we're missing that people today are dying. Mm-hmm. People today are in terrible situations and we're not doing a thing to help them. Because like you said, we're so focused on God coming soon until we're forgetting the point that, okay, well, what about today? And it's like, soon in Jesus time may not be soon in our time sure so soon yeah for him might still mean a few more years or whatever I don't know right but I think when you focus about that and you just obsess about it till you're missing yeah. the mission of what we're supposed to be doing now which is being kind to people loving people helping people yeah. you know yeah and just living a life that God, Jesus would have lived if he was here on earth right and then you know showing God that way instead of trying to pray people into heaven when their lives are in total chaos right now. Exactly. Yeah. We're so focused on that. Like, let's, let's see what we can do to get them saved. And it's like, freaking go save them. Like, do you see the mess they're in? Walk your tail over there, give them 20 bucks, get them a room for the night, help out this mother who's lost her husband and has these kids on her own. Like, what can you do? Like, these are the things Jesus actually talked about and demonstrated while he was here. He wasn't talking about some rapture he wasn't talking about let's get everybody into heaven he was talking about the kingdom of god is now because that's when the kingdom of god intersects with this broken world is when we reach into people's lives and are like oh i can help you i have this i have this thing extra in me i can give you my time i can give you my money i can give you my coat i can go with you this extra mile all of these things but we just get the church has gotten so focused on afterlife issues that we pretend to understand Yes, that is yeah. so true. Like we don't even focus in it now. We're yeah, just living right. in the future. Yep. Wow, that is that is important. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I think so. So what kind of how did you start your church? What inspired you to just start a church? Well, I I felt called to it. Um I felt like it was something that that God had put in me. Um, but I I mostly felt called to be a pastor. I didn't feel called to be a church planter because that was scary. (laughs) Like it was one thing to go into a church and, you know, that was already established and to teach and to preach or whatever, Um, which I've realized now is also has its own, but I was, I was more comfortable with that idea because I'd be going in with a salary and, you know, people to take care of me. And so I could really focus on the thing where as when I planted a church in 2010, I was, 29 years old. I was living in an apartment with my wife and our two kids. We didn't have anything. And um, we literally started the church inside the apartment. Like we just started meeting there with our few friends. And, uh, but I went to a music festival in Bushnell, Illinois, which I'd gone to every year for a while and actually would host the stage at it. Um, And I had a conversation with another pastor and through that conversation, um, he kind of challenged me to just stop sitting around on my hands and to go do it. And uh, I was like, man, I don't know. And I, I did know. I knew real deep down that it was what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but I had, I had just kind of avoided it for so long. So uh, we came back from that music festival. And two weeks later, we started a church in my apartment. And with a bunch of kids from the music scene, because we were already doing shows and stuff at that time. 
and uh, we were just a ministry, and we called our church Solace, and uh, the whole, Solace. It was the whole idea was to just give a place of solace and rest for people, and uh, a place where people felt safe and unjudged and loved. And uh, so I did that for about eight years, and then uh, the the pastor that inspired me to make that move uh, lived here in Nashville, and he called me three years ago. And was like, hey, I know you said you never moved to Nashville, but how about you come out and help me plant a church? And I was like, oh, that sounds awful. Let's do it. (laughs) So uh, here I am. I moved my whole family away from the place that we lived our whole lives. And uh, at 37 years old and two teenagers, we moved out here to Nashville. So that is amazing. So how has your church grown since then? Um. So church, church, physical growth number wise is not something like after doing, uh, so the church that I planted in Joplin, uh, I did that for nine years and I would go through these ebbs and flows of, of caring about whether we had a good number of people or whether we had 10 people. And, uh, I finally, uh, 2017 or so I started coming to the realization that I was trying to build a kingdom. I was trying to build something. It wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to build it for God. I was trying to build it for that same old thing that I've always struggled with, which is to make myself not look like garbage, like to make sure that I could say, oh, look, I built this great thing for you, God. And I got challenged one day by God. And I felt like God was speaking to me. I was doing some painting and some writing and trying to be creative. And that's kind of when I feel like God speaks to me the most. But I felt like God was speaking to me. And I felt like he said, what if I ask you to burn your church down tomorrow? And I was like, like, not not more figuratively not literally lighting a match but and i was like oh no <laughs> it's like I, I i would not do that and uh whether it's god or just some kind of mental practice that was happening this is what was happening in my head and, and i was like no i i would not do that and god was like but if you started it because you felt like that was what i wanted you to do then if i said to end it why would you not do it then <sighs> And I was just like, because I've worked so hard for this. I've, I've sacrificed everything. I've gone without a paycheck from doing all this work for years. I'm working other jobs, like, like juggling and like dealing with heartbreak from, from people. And like, you know, people come and they go and I have to be like, oh, I, I, they said they're leaving because they didn't like my preaching or that whatever this, or they found another church or whatever, like dealing with all that, like heartbreak as a young person, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, so I, over time, uh, through that conversation, I felt like God was just like, well, if it's, it sounds like you're building something for yourself and not something for me. And you need to be in the place to where if I call you to walk away from it, that you're going to walk away from it. And, uh, so I, I, I ended up painting this painting that day of a, a church on fire and I just wrote the words, I'll light the match on it. And, uh, I can't show that's too many people because without the context of the story, it sounds a little aggressive, but uh, uh, the, the idea is just that I'm not going to hang on. And as soon, but as soon as that got in my mind, as soon as I really understood that I found the most freedom I've ever felt with being a pastor, because all of a sudden I realized, Oh, this isn't about me. This isn't about how many people I can bring in, uh, how much money's coming in, whether I'm getting like, all of that is just all of the stuff that is the distraction. I actually have something that's really pure here, really good. Like 
I'm not preaching to them to get paid. They're not, they're not trying to pay a pastor. Like we don't have that frustration, that worry. Like we are doing this very communally. We're all coming together. So I had all of that kind of like fix in my brain. So since that time, um, I would say that I'm really in, in thinking about the church that I'm at now, it's called Borderland Mission in Nashville. We have seen growth, but we've also seen departures. So as far as people go, but what I do feel like that we're seeing is growth that I actually care about is that the people that are here right now are more engaged with each other's lives. Um, they're living more communally. Um, they have a deeper desire to be a part of something and to see what God wants to do with their lives individually and our lives collectively as this, as this particular body, and then our lives collectively as the bigger body. And uh, so I would say in, in that sense, I would say, and I know I gave you a lot more than what you asked for here, but that I, I would say that our church is growing well right now. <laughs> no, you gave me exactly what I was looking for because it made me think of this book that I've read. I read it a long time ago, and then I've read it recently again. It was called um, Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. And in the book, he talks about that because the book, it's like a parable kind of, and it talks about this guy, Ordinary, who, got, who had a dream from a dream giver, and he went out to try to explore his dream. And he was like at a point where he was going through a time when he was feeling depressed and like, he didn't exactly know what he was supposed to do. And the dream giver was like, well, give me your dream. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then finally he gave the dream to the dream giver. And then the dream giver gave it back to him, but better. And he was able to fulfill that dream. And it just made me think about what you were saying, because that was the dream. And I think that's something God inspired you to do. Yeah. And he was like, well, you know, give it back to me. And you're like, well, no, I kind of don't want to do that. But then once you right. did, you felt freedom and it was able to grow. And that's yeah. kind of what that book yeah. was talking about. And it, the book was saying how so many times we don't want to give God the dream he, that he gave us. We don't want to give it back to him because, you know, we're too busy trying to make it happen. So we don't want to give yeah. it to him. But when you do, it's freedom in that. And the book yeah. was also saying how when you keep it, which you can do, it's then the dream becomes more about you and less yeah. about God. So that yeah. just made me think about that when you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and story. if I hadn't come to that understanding that I needed to be able to let it go, I wouldn't be in Nashville right now. And right. I love, like, this was a good move for me. It was a good move for our family. And I love what's happening here. And I mean, I, it was hard. Like, the first couple of years were really hard. And I miss a lot of friends and family back in Missouri. But what's happening here is very good and has a great value toward my family going forward toward what the church was having in this church. And I would not have agreed to come out here if I had not gotten to that point to where I was ready to walk away from it. So I was ready to light the match and walk, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, we, we hinder ourselves so much because we won't let go of things. Yeah. That is true. So what advice would you give to someone who was looking for God what advice would you give them? To be honest, first of all, um, I think that I think we have a problem because of how church does so often as to putting forth a facade of righteousness, um, which I think the church is really good at doing, <laughs> but I think it's a really bad thing. Um, and so I would say seek honesty, like seek honesty in the relationships that you're pursuing um, in the people that you're trying to talk to. Like if you're, if you're looking to find God, 
talk to people that you feel like honestly know God, not just, it doesn't have to be the pastor. It doesn't have to be the church goer, even just because I am, while I am a part of Christian church, if you're searching for God and you're seeking him out, that you will find him and the truth of who he is and, the, and, and how that interacts best with your life is going to be found not just within the four walls of the church. I think it can be found here, but I think it can also be found in nature and it can be found on a bar stool and it can be found in a cigar lounge and, you know, out at a park or wherever it, wherever, if you're really searching for it, just seek truth. Because I, I do believe that's what God is, is that God is truth. And, and if you're seeking truth above everything else, then you'll, you'll find him and you'll start figuring out the beauty and maybe, maybe in some of the traditions of, of the faith or whatever, or even just the beauty of nature. And you'll start seeing God in places you never realized he was there before. So. I like that. Just be honest with God and honestly, yeah. that is amazing. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for your time. Thank you for spending time yeah. with us and telling us about how you found God. And I love your insights. They were truly amazing. So thank you for being here with us on the final Yeah. Well, thanks podcast. for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Wow, what an amazing interview. I don't even know where to start because he said so many good things in this interview. But I think one of, I'll just go with two things. The first thing that he said that I really loved is when he's talking about how he knew this guy and he had all these issues, but he was just praying that the guy stopped smoking weed. And that says a lot because it just seems like so many times we are focused on one thing, like that one thing that we feel is wrong or that one thing that we feel isn't right. So we're like, God, help them to stop doing that. And we're praying not because we really, I mean, we do care about them, but it's more because of us. And we're just like, God, help this person because they need to stop doing this. But we're not thinking about how their whole lives need God, not just that one aspect of their lives. You know, it's like we need God holistically in our everyday lives and everything that we do and so it's not just that one thing that they're doing because that one thing is just a symptom of bigger problems so we need to ask God to be with them in their whole life and in everything that they do and not just help them to stop that one specific thing that was amazing another thing that I liked that he said was when he was talking about how he was putting so much pressure on himself to do things that God never specifically told him to do. He was alienating himself from God because he felt like he was wrong when God wasn't putting that much pressure on him. It was him putting that much pressure on himself and alienating himself from God. And I think that we do that so many times. Like we'll be like, I can't come to God because I'm not ready. I remember when I was younger and I just never felt like I was ready to come to God because like he, it just seemed like there was just so much. It was just so much you had to do before you could go to God until I didn't want to even get baptized or anything. And so it wasn't until I realized that I can come to God like I am and that all the pressure I was putting on myself wasn't even from God. God didn't put that pressure on me. It says in the Bible that Jesus came to the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So if God came to save us and not condemn us. Why are we condemning ourselves? Why are we putting so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect when God is not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to give him our hearts. He's asking us to let him work in us to be what he's called us to be. That's all he's asking. But we are trying to make it harder than it is. So I love when he talks about that and how he said that. Another thing that I like is how in this interview, 
I, you can kind of get the sense that we are enough, you know? We don't have to do all this extra stuff. We are enough the way we are. Now, we are not perfect the way we are. I would never say that. And we are all a work in progress. But God never asked us to clean ourselves up before we came to Him. We are enough the way we are. We are enough to go to God the way we are. We are enough to ask God for help the way we are without having to go and try to do all of these things. So there's so many things that he said that I love, but I cannot go back over all of them because we would be here way too long. But just remember, guys, if you're having a hard week or if you feel like you've done too much and God can never love you, even if you feel like you're doing things now that God can't talk to you, just remember God's grace is sufficient for you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you are enough. You can go to God. You can talk to God no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. And you can ask God to help you. And God will definitely help you because he loves you that much. Now, the song we're going to listen to today is an amazing song by an artist called Cash Memphis. He is a friend of the podcast. He has been a guest on the show. And so he has this song called You Are Enough. And I felt that this song goes along with what we're talking about. So here's the song by our Artist of the Week, Cash Memphis, You Are Enough. When I'm in my feelings When I'm in my feelings When I'm in my feelings wake up and feel this way feels like the strings on my heart been played reminds me of feelings before i got saved no it's not the case but i got some questions yeah why does it seem like i gotta keep fighting myself gotta be kind of rewind keep reminding myself every day's a new day hey new shine and grind driving in a new lane i living in a new way hey your love it got me feeling like a pop one play when the problems pop up and i'm overwhelmed i hear you keep calling me to live it well just Yeah, 
When it's getting dark, dark and you can't see, you gotta open up, trust and receive it. Just believe it. podcast i would like to thank you guys so much for being here with me this week it's always a pleasure to spend time with you listening to how people find god i also want to let you guys know that if you want to get in contact with me or catch memphis or josh evans or listen to his podcast all of our contact information can be found in the show notes so just look to the join us on social media and you can click on our links and you will definitely find out more about us and be able to get in contact with us I also want to encourage you guys to share the podcast with a friend, follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a review because I would love to hear what you think about Finding God. If you would love to be a guest on the podcast, then all you have to do is click on the sh- in the show notes where we have our um, email address and it's uniquemusic at outlook.com. Click on that link and then send me an email saying, I would like to be a guest on the podcast and I will promise you I will get in contact with you. I will set that up and we will definitely hear your story as well. If you have any music you'd like to submit to the podcast, click on the same link, the unique music at outlook.com. Click on that email address and then send me an MP3 copy of the song you want to submit to the podcast along with information about yourself. And I will definitely make sure we get that played on the podcast. All right. I think that is all for today. Um, I don't have anything else, but if you guys need to get in contact with me, feel free to contact me on social media. And until we meet again, have an amazing day, enjoy your weekend, and I will talk to you again next Friday. Bye-bye.